I don't know if you can tell it or not yet, but our lesson tonight is going to come from Genesis chapter 22. So it would be helpful if you open up your Bibles and you go ahead and just put your finger there or your marker there because we will not be going anywhere else tonight except for chapter 22 of Genesis. Before I begin our lesson tonight, I need to go ahead and apologize because for some reason, when I was working on this lesson, every time I finished a point in, in my mind, I thought of the football illustration. And so for some reason tonight, there's going to be a lot of football illustrations in, in my lesson. And I think maybe the reason for that is, is because uh, in just a couple of weeks, college football season begins. And that's one of my favorite times of year. Uh, it's funny, as I go through a, a year, there's, there's certain things I look forward to. Of course, at the beginning of the new year, I look forward to the new year. But then at the new year, I start looking forward to spring break. And after looking forward to spring break, I start looking forward to, you know, summertime and all the things that go along with that. And as soon as summer is over, and I know that things are getting back to the normal, I start thinking about college football. I start thinking, well, in just a couple of weeks, boy, I'll be able to watch some great games. And then I start looking forward to Thanksgiving, then Christmas, then the New Year's, and it all starts over again. But maybe that's why so many football illustrations popped in my head on this particular lesson, even though this lesson has absolutely nothing to do with football, as you're going to see in just a moment. Um, I want to give you some more thoughts to consider uh, when it comes to our worship. I had a lesson last week on how, how important it is that we worship God in the right way. And there were some more things I wanted to say about that, but really didn't have the time or opportunity. And so I just thought to myself, well, I'll use this Sunday night when I have the opportunity to preach to say some more things about it. It's interesting that very few Christians really know very much about true worship. What it really means to worship... Uh, in fact, Charles Stanley, who I don't agree with on a lot of different things, uh, once said that he believed that most Christians and most churches have never worshipped God. In other words, we go to church, but we oftentimes don't worship. Uh, we sing songs, but we oftentimes don't worship. We pray prayers, but we oftentimes don't worship. Uh, we listen to uh, sermons, but oftentimes we don't worship. And I think the reason is that we know what the elements of worship is, but we really don't appreciate and understand what true worship really is. In our text, it's interesting, in chapter 22 of Genesis, uh, in verse 5, we have the very first time in the history of recorded Scripture, and as far as we know, because that's the only history that we have with God's people, the first time that the word worship is ever mentioned. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5, we have the word worship for the very first time. And I want you to notice in the text, read verse 5, it says, And Abraham said unto the, his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. The first thing I want you to consider tonight before we do anything else is worship is something that, that you do. is something that's not accidental. All of life is not worship, though all of life can be service, but all of life is not worship. Abraham was a faithful man who walked with God, but he understood that worship was something you went to. Worship was something you did. Worship was something that you uh, 
um, participated in. It's something that didn't happen by accident. And that verse is the stage for this entire first part of chapter 22 where we learn really what the elements of true worship is. I appreciate so very much the uh, class that Scott's been doing on Sunday mornings in Genesis and uh, the way he's been able to get us to think and bring out things. And, and there's a lot of times I'll make comments, and I hope I don't make comments too often. And there were some things I wanted to say about this section, but I knew once we got into it, it would take so long that I thought that, you know, we could just spend some time tonight piggybacking on what I said a couple uh, of Sundays ago and talk about true worship. So if you will, I want us just to start going through this text, and I want you to notice that here for the first time worship is mentioned, but also here for the first time we get the elements of what true worship really is, what God expects from us whenever we worship. I want you to notice first of all as we look at verses 1 and 2 that the first element of true worship is revelation. God reveals his will to us. And it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. In order for worship to be true worship to begin with, as we talked about a couple Sundays ago, it's got to be according to the revelation of God. Before Abraham could understand what true worship is, he had to understand what God wanted him to do. Now, obviously, this is something that doesn't apply to any of us because he's talking specifically to Abraham, but yet still the point is this, that in order for Abraham to know what he needed to do to carry out what he planned to do in verse 5, and that is worship, he had to have a revelation from God and God had to tell him what he wanted him to do to please him. In fact, in verse 1, it says, King James uses the word tempt. Better translation is test. In other words, or, or prove. He wanted to see if Abraham would worship him in the way that he had revealed to him. And so there were components of this particular revelation that Abraham had to follow if he was going to be pleasing to God. And as we mentioned um, in our sermon a while back, Jesus told the lady at the well in John 4 and verse 24 that God is the Spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And as I was thinking about that, just like the football player must study the playbook in order to be a good player, if we're going to be good worshipers, what's the first thing that we need to do? We need to study our playbook, if you will, and make sure we are doing what God wants us to do. We want to do more than just simply sing songs to sing or listen to the preacher, we need to make sure we study the playbook and make sure we are doing everything we can in worship that is pleasing to God. And I know you're well aware of that. But then when you move into verse 3, we see that after you get revelation from God as far as, as worship is concerned, the next thing that has to take place, the next true element of worship is preparation. Notice what happens in the text. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Now you look at the verse, what is happening? Abraham realized that if he was going to worship God properly, 
there was going to have to be some preparation. He was going to have to prepare himself. He needed to make sure that everything was taken care of. He needed to make sure he had appropriate preparation to worship God. And I think the lesson that we learn from this is if we have not fully prepared our hearts when we come to worship, we need to be very, very careful what we're calling worship. We mentioned the Sunday ago about how in John 24 and verse 24 it says that God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit. And I made the point that we need to have the right kind of of heart. And it's funny, I was thinking about the fact that uh, this time of year there's going to be a lot of football coaches that are going to tell uh, their players that they need to get their game face on. What does it mean to get your game face on? It means that you're prepared, you're thinking ahead, you're getting ready for what's about to happen. It's something that's on your mind and you're preparing yourself mentally for what you're going to be doing in just a little bit physically. Well, folks, it would do us a lot of good that on a Saturday night or on a Sunday morning when we're on our way over here that we would get our worship face on, that we would start mentally preparing ourselves And think about how that uh, we need to pass our minds from that which is secular to that which is spiritual. To prepare our minds from that which is secular to that which is sacred. Uh, We can, once again, can't just simply pass from the world to worship with the drop of a hat. There's got to be some preparation. There's got to be some, some thinking. We just can't. Uh, simply just sing songs and, and listen to prayers and, and listen to lessons and call that worship if our heart's not in the right place, if we're not prepared for the very reason why we are here. But notice how wonderfully in the text uh, something else comes out that's a true element of worship. Not only do, they, do you have to have revelation from God, not only do you have to have preparation, but notice as you look at verses 4 and 5, you've got to have separation. It says that on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far far off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Now, I can't remember if we talked about this in Scott's class or not, but have you ever wondered why he told the young men to wait there? Why he separated himself from those young men? It was just him and, and Isaac. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I believe the reason why he told the young men there uh, to stay was because he thought that perhaps when he got up on the mountain and he was about to plunge that knife into his son's heart, what would those young men do? They would stop him. They would distract him. They would try to prevent him from doing the very thing that God commanded him to do. And so Abraham, in his wisdom, understood that he needed to leave these servants behind if he truly was going to worship God in the way that he needed to worship God. And I, of course, I think we too need to understand if we're really going to worship God, then there needs to be some separation when we get here. We need to figure out a way to keep from letting things interfere with our worship. Uh, We need need to make sure that we don't allow anything that's going to draw our attention away from God. And I'm not just talking about sinful things. I'm talking about the natural and normal things of life, such as work, family, finances. We need to make sure that when we actually begin the worship service, 
that we are doing it the way that God commands by His revelation. Uh, we have the right preparation of heart. And then the next thing we do, we need to make sure that we have separated everything that will take our mind on, away from the purpose of why we are here. We need to make sure that we're thinking about God and we're, we are free to focus on Him and there's no other distractions. And just as a little side note here, we need to do, do our very best that while we are in worship here, that we don't do anything to distract the attention from somebody else that's trying to worship. And so we need to always be careful about our conduct and make sure that we are allowing people to not be distracted and not be pulled away from their focus on worshiping God. I don't know why I thought about this, because this has been so many years since I've played football, but I played football in high school. In fact, my junior year, we won the state championship. But anyway... In order to get us focused before a game, Thursday at the end of the practice, the coach, of course, would give us a pep talk and whatnot, and he would tell us to go to bed early, and he'd tell you, I want you to think about the game. I want you to separate yourself from all your distractions. I want you to think about the game. And then the, when the day of the day game came, we went to the school, and we loaded up on buses, and we went to a local steakhouse, just the coach and the players, and we had a meal before the game. But it was just us. We separated ourselves from everybody else so we could focus on the game. And then when we got through eating, we got back on the bus, and we would drive back to the school, and we would go into the locker room, and we were not allowed to have contact with any other person. Why? Because he did not want us to be distracted. He did not want us to have a girlfriend come up and start talking to us. He didn't want a parent to come up and talk, start talking to us. He wanted us to make sure we were focused on what we were doing. And folks, if something as foolish and as secular as a football game requires that much focus, how much more important is it that we need to focus on God Almighty and make sure that we separate ourselves from the things that might interfere the things that might prevent us from worshiping the way that God wants us to worship. But then if you look at verses 6 through 10, I think you see the fourth true element of worship. And this, these verses right here just speak volumes about what really true worship is. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering... And laid, it upon, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and, he, and a knife, and they, both went, uh, they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place where God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on that wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Let that sink in just for a moment. Picture in your mind what's going on here. Picture yourself as this father. Picture yourself as this son. Here was the promised son. 
Here was the son that, that Abraham had so wanted from his wife Sarah. And now here is him binding this son up. And then picking this boy of his up and laying him down on that altar. And you can imagine perhaps the look in Isaac's eyes. And maybe seeing the tears running from Abraham's eyes. As he reached, stretched forth his hand, and in his hand was a sharp knife. And imagine the surprise that was in Isaac's eyes. And remember, and imagine the, the, the face that perhaps Abraham was going to do, have right when he was bringing that knife, started to bring that knife down. And as I picture that in my mind, the thing that comes to my mind, one word, and that's dedication. God had told Abraham that this was what he wanted him to do in order to worship him. And God said it had to be done. And so God, or so Abraham completely emptied himself. Completely did away with his own will. And said this is what God wants. And this is what God is going to get. In other words, we need to make sure that when we worship when we sit down in that chair and it comes time for us to start worshiping our God Almighty, that first of all, we need to empty ourselves and we need to give Him our very best. We need to be dedicated to Him. Abraham was willing to do this. True worship requires us to give, the, give God our very best. And so I firmly believe, folks, that sometimes we are sinful in worship and we don't even realize it. Because we go about it haphazardly. We don't think about what we're saying. We don't realize what we're doing. We don't understand that we are involved in the most important thing that we will do in the entire week and the most important thing that we'll do through our entire life. And that is worship God Almighty. And in order for worship to truly be the kind of worship that God wants, it takes an emptying of self. It takes giving Him our very best. And here we have a good example of this with Abraham and what true worship is all about. Well, as you move through the text, you see what really worship is all about because of what it leads to. If you've got revelation from God, if you have prepared yourself the way that it's supposed to be done, if you separate yourself from all the distractions and now you're ready to dedicate yourself, then you're really ready to do what worship is really all about. Uh, a football illustration I thought about when I was thinking about dedication, and it almost left my mind, but I popped back in there again. I was thinking about how that, and I'm sure Jeff Puchek's heard told his players this before, and others have heard this in other sports and whatnot, but I remember a coach always telling me to leave it all on the field. Leave it all on the field. What did he mean? He meant to give 100 percent. And folks, once again, in worship, we need to give 100%. But I want you to notice what happens. If we do these four things, you find the fifth and final element of true worship that we have here in the text. And that's proclamation. Proclamation. Notice, if you go all the way over to verse 11, it says, and the angel of the Lord called out of heaven and Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou any 
thing unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram called in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went out and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Now I want you to look very closely now at verse 14. Because here's the key to it all. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in this mount of the Lord, it, or in, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now you might look at that and you might not think that that's that big a deal. But if you go back and look at the original language that's written right here, that word Jehovah Jireh literally means the Lord will provide. And that's exactly what happened. The Lord provided for Abraham what he needed in order to carry out the worship that he needed to carry out. By doing so, what was he saying? When Abraham said those words, the Lord will provide, what was he actually doing? When he named that mountain out, what was he actually doing? He was declaring who God is. He was declaring that God is going to do something for him. He's declaring that that's really what praise and worship is all about. That God takes care of us and we need to make sure that we give him the glory and the honor that he deserves. When we sing praises to God, it's proclaiming of what God has done. Worship is proclaiming about who God is. We need to understand that whatever we do in worship, whether it's a singing of a song or praying a prayer, uh, taking of the Lord's Supper, a giving of our means. It's really always centers around those two things, who God is and what God has done. Uh, oftentimes when I stand up here at the beginning of the service and I read a scripture for you, I always try to put forth the idea that the reason why we are even here this morning on the Lord's Day is, first of all, because of who God is. We are here worshiping God because of who He is. And then the second thing is because of what He has done for us. So we should lift up praise for Him because He's God. And we should be thanking Him for every single thing that He does. And folks, that needs to take place in everything that we do in the worship service. The songs that we sing, it's very easy to do that. Because so many of our songs talk about who God is and what he has done, and how we should be thankful. It talks about his love and how we should love in return. When we pray prayers, it's a little bit easier because we know that we're praying to God because of who he is, and we're thanking him for what he has done. When we gather around the Lord's table, once again, that's pretty much easy to do. We're thanking God because of who he is. He was able to give us his only begotten son. And we're thanking him also because of what he did in giving us his only begotten son. Sometimes I think when we see the collection plate passed along, we forget what that's all about. The reason why we give is it's not simply because of a command. We give because of the fact of who God is. And we need to make a sacrifice for him like Abraham did here. And we also, out of gratitude, because he has done so much for us. And, of course, when we listen to God's Word, sermons oftentimes are about a variety of different subjects, and sometimes the speakers are better than other times. Sometimes the material is more interesting than other th times. Sometimes the topics are some of your favorite, and sometimes you may not care anything about them. 
But when God's word's being proclaimed, the reason why you need to listen is because of what God, of who God is, and because of what God has done for you. So I hope the next time that we have the opportunity to worship, I believe in this congregation we're always going to be worshiping against the revealed will of God, going by what He says. And I believe as long as I preach here, as long as we have the elders we have here, that's going to be the case. But I worry sometimes not only about myself but also about others that maybe we don't understand. But just because we may have it right scripturally, we may have it very wrong when it comes to spiritual things. We need to do some preparation. We need to do some separation. We need to be willing to truly dedicate ourselves to what we're doing, in a sense, leaving it all on the field when we leave this building because we are here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to proclaim to the world and proclaim to each and every one that's here who God is and what God has done. If you have a need this evening, won't you come as together we stand and sing?